0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure...
2: Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.mx you know.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
0: We are through the final week of preseason action. You can catch up on everything you may have missed this weekend by checking out our What We Saw article on QBlist.com. Uh, but we are not here to talk about the weekend's games because after the games were played, we've had a, a barrage of roster cuts that have changed some uh, late round targets, and it actually fits nicely into the topic for today. We are going to talk about uh, late round targets for your drafts if you have not drafted yet, And if you have drafted already, we are hoping that these are going to be some players that may be available on your waiver wire. So kind of a two for one here. Uh, If you're set to draft some people to look at with your last pick, and if you have already drafted some, maybe players to put on your watch list or to pick up if you don't like who you drafted with that last round pick. So um, I have two guests today joining me. I'm joined as always by Ryan Heath, and I am joined for the first time on the podcast by Dustin Ludke. He is a member of our sit start team. I just wrote a really good Khalil Herbert going deep piece. So um, he really gets into the deep dive dynasty stuff. He's he's touted Ashton Doolin in the past, the wide receiver for the Colts. So I think this is a perfect podcast to have him on, actually. It worked out really well. So glad to have Dustin and Ryan here with me. We're going to get right into the news today, though. Like I said, there were some roster cuts here. Uh, Right off the top, this one, it it kills me. It really kills me. Sonny Michelle was cut from the Miami Dolphins. Um, before I get into my analysis, Ryan, uh, if you want to dunk on me for this one, just, just set me up here.
3: Oh, I was levitating the moment I saw this because I, I knew I didn't even have to look at the show sheet. I knew Sony Michelle's name was on it. And as soon as that news came across my feed, I, I was just thinking of all the ways that I could make fun of you tonight, Eric. So I hope that I don't disappoint. <laughs>
0: Glad to have you, Ryan. Uh, yeah, th- honestly, I had just been on a live stream with Jeff Berkus. Uh, We were going through some flex options. We weren't going super deep du- deep in the rankings, and I actually left Sony Michelle off because we knew there was a chance he was going to get cut this off And I was like, "Well, oh, these rankings aren't deep enough. I'm going to leave him off. There is a chance he gets cut." Sure enough, Sony Michelle was cut. So that leaves the Miami running backs as Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, and Salvon Ahmed uh, that's kind of a thin group when you consider the injury history of Raheem Mostert. So uh, I'm a little surprised Miami made this move, obviously by how much I liked Sony Michelle this off season, but, uh, Ryan, I mean, this is like chase Edmonds to the moon, right? Like, are we worried about anyone else in this backfield now that Sony Michelle isn't there to steal goal line touches?
3: I'm really not. I think it is chase Edmonds to the moon, as you said. Um, Yeah, and the the goal line touches is really what it comes down to. That was really the most commonly cited reason for why a lot in the industry weren't fully buying into Edmonds. Um, But now that he's competing with most start and Gaskin for those touches, uh, neither of which are really any bigger or, in my opinion, any better inside a runner than he is. uh, I think it's full speed ahead for Edmonds. If you got a ton of him at his what his ADP has been the last few weeks and congratulations. Um, Looking down the depth chart, uh, I think this makes Mostert become an interesting later round guy on the off chance that he is the goal line back and that he, I really, the thesis is the same for him as it was for Sony Michelle uh, all summer. And then I, the only thing that freaks me out a little bit is seeing Miles Gaskin still on this roster and Thinking about what what if Chase Edmonds is the next Miles Gaskin, where in the preseason, it seems like he has a pretty clear path to touches and what we think is going to be a good offense. We've seen his receiving chops and then fast forward a year later and he's absolutely buried on a death chart. Uh, So I that's my one fear. I don't think that matters as long as Edmonds ADP stays in outside of like the top six rounds. Uh, but we we'll have to see how this news affects things.
0: Yeah. And I I was in on Chase Edmonds too, drafted a ton of them. Uh he was never gonna take all the snaps. So honestly, I don't think this changes his value a ton. Uh it just kind of gives me one less option that I like. Uh super light in drafts. I just I don't love draft drafting most 30s. He's he's age thirty, had so many injuries. Um salvin Ahmed like he'll be someone I'm looking at on waivers, but I'm not going to draft him on a team. So I do think he kind of profiles as maybe the goal line back. But um, yeah, I kind of thought Gaskin might be the one getting cut. So it's interesting to see him still around. So um, outside of deep dynasty leagues, though, I'm not sure we're looking for beyond Chase Edmonds and Raheem Moster here. So um, otherwise, Ryan, like Sonny Michelle, I'm just hoping he lands on the Baltimore Ravens now. What do you think about that? There's, there's some good landing spots. And this is why nobody – is going to trade for these running backs we see that are rumored because you're going to see the sony michelle types just hit waivers for free right now so there are a few teams that could maybe pick them up and give them some touchdowns this year but i I think i'm in trouble on my late round michelle shares
3: yeah i will get into the whole thing with running backs being rumored for trade this time of year later in the podcast uh but yeah i think Ravens could make some sense. Uh, We're not entirely sure on J.K. Dobbins status for week one. Gus Edwards will not play week one. The possibility that really scares me is Michelle reuniting with the Rams. Uh, (laughs) My my Daryl Henderson shares would be very upset about that uh, because it really seemed like they liked Michelle more than him. Uh, last year, and the fact that they didn't re-sign re sign Michelle was almost the entire thesis for Daryl Henderson. So, if, right. if that happens, then it, that's going to come crashing and down and burning very quickly.
0: All right, let's spread some of this around. Uh, we'll take it to Dustin Ludke here. Just before the show, he was all set to tout LaVisca Chenault as a late round, uh, you know, maybe week zero waiver wire type candidate. Uh, as a part of the Jacksonville Jaguars, well, LaVisca Chenault has now been traded to the Carolina Panthers. So, Dustin, I'm a little curious um, why you were in on him before and then what this news of the trade kind of does to LaVisca Chenault here.
4: Yeah, this was a heartbreaker. I think, much like your Sony shares, I have a lot of LaVisca shares uh, late in my drafts, both my dynasty leagues. Uh, you know, he came in last year, had 99 targets. Uh, I charted everyone that had 100 or more targets in the past three seasons. And there's been like five of them. I think it's less. It's like four percent of them have had zero to, or one touchdown. So I just thought he was do, destined to have more than zero touchdowns, like he had last year. I am historically not a believer in Trevor Lawrence, so I don't think that offense is gonna be great. I don't think Christian Kirk is great. Um, that team doesn't have the great wide receivers. Um, so I thought he had a chance to stand out. He's a huge athlete. I mean, he's a big dude. He runs runs. You know, these sweep routes. He's got speed. Um, so I was excited for what he could do, um, in that Doug Peterson press Taylor offense in Jacksonville, in Jacksonville, now going to Carolina, uh, it's going to be a tough road. If this had happened three, four weeks ago, I'd be much more excited. Um, going in a week and a half before the first game, uh, he's going to take so long to get used to that offense and build that chemistry with Baker Mayfield, who I also don't think is a great quarterback, but he's better than Trevor Lawrence. Um, but now he's behind DJ Moore. You know, Robbie Anderson, um, probably Terrace Marshall, and probably Rashad Higgins in the depth chart, and then Tommy Tremble at tight end. Um, So he's got an uphill battle, but, you know, everybody's touting him as the next Debo Samuel. Um, I think he's, I think he easily could
0: see some of that running work,
4: but I I think he would have been a lot better, and I would have been a lot happier had he stayed on Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll get to the Jaguars depth chart here in a minute, at receiver, but, Like you said, I mean, in Carolina, it it wouldn't be that hard for somebody to move up to number two behind DJ Moore because Robbie Anderson is flirted with retirement at times. Terrace Marshall's kind of been a bust. Rashard Higgins is, you know, first year on the team. But the Panthers do have a million names on this depth chart at wide receiver. Like, it's just loaded with people. So he's got some names to jump here to get into consideration. And kind of like you alluded to, this late in training camp is, is a little worrisome. It's just there's not much time for him to get on the field and show himself. So the Panthers don't always seem to have much of a plan for these moves either. So we'll, we'll kind of have to wait and see on Laviska. Uh, doesn't really affect anyone on this team, uh, like any major names. It, it might maybe worry, worry a little bit about Terrace Marshall or Rashad Higgins and dynasty leagues, but I think that's about the extent to that. So um on the Jaguars end of things, like it kind of looked like it was starting to open it up for Chenault there for a minute. And now it's really opened up because uh, in addition to trading LaVisca Chenault, the Jaguars also released Laquan Treadwell, which I know kind of sounds like a joke, but he played a lot last year. So he was on the field a lot as an outside receiver that leaves Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, Jamal Agnew, and then almost nothing else after that. Like the Panthers have a bunch of names, the Jaguars, it really thins out after those four. So um, Dustin, do you have any thoughts on just kind of this Jaguars receiving core in general without Chenault and Treadwell there?
4: Yeah. I mean, everyone's going to be touting uh, Evan Ingram as the tight end to be the guy who's going to pick up the slack. Again, not a name that you're super excited about. Everybody's waiting for that breakout and how many years has it been? Um, I have not been a Christian Kirk believer. I think Marvin Jones is the guy to have in Jacksonville now. Um, I think he has the history and I think he's just a better receiver than Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. I mean, Zay Jones is fast. That's really all he has going for him. So I actually had Marvin Jones on my list of, you know, to add to this that we're going to talk about later, these late round targets and I just couldn't pick him over Chenault originally. So he's back on top of my list of people to watch and possibly pick up this week.
0: Yeah, I'm higher on Kirk than you are. I like drafting Kirk, but I will say I was drafting zero Marvin Jones, and like at least now that the names have cleared out uh, you can kind of paint a picture where Marvin Jones has a nice bounce back year. So I was just always worried who was going to be on the field. And it seems like it's pretty clear at this point it's Kirk and Zay Jones and Marvin Jones. And then Jamal Agnew gets in there for some gadget plays. So I, I think things really streamlined a lot in Jacksonville. And that, that should be good for all of these receivers in general. So um, any last thoughts on uh, any of these situations or Chenault here, Dustin?
4: Uh, no, I think that's it. I will just say that I've been a Chase Edmonds believer in Miami. Um, and I will say, I think Sony could land with the giants. That's my pick of who he goes to.
0: Uh, they need somebody there. That's for sure. They so. sure do. <laughs> I don't think you'd be too worried about him taking uh, snaps from, uh, Saquon Barkley either. So maybe that's kind of a, a win-win for everybody. All right, let's get to the next piece of news. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, after all this waiting, his contract was restructured, set to stay in San Francisco. The The long and the short of it is basically he's a free agent at the end of the year, Uh, He now has a no trade clause and a no tag clause. So he can decide if the the 49ers trade him somewhere or not. Uh, But I mean, he's probably going to want to get traded to a team where he can start. And this contract is more tradable. So I think this just delays it. Uh, It still looks like Jimmy G is going to get traded when somebody desperately needs him. I believe the Niners get a third round comp pick if they keep him all year. So maybe that's kind of the going rate, but Ryan, um, we talked a lot about this in Discord today. Uh, for all the people who are worried about Trey Lance, why don't you talk them off the ledge here real quick?
3: Yeah, so there's kind of two ways you can go here uh, as far as coping over tra- your Trey Lance bags that you might may or may not be holding. Uh, I'll start with just from the 49ers perspective. If if you are the 49ers and you're look, looking at this situation, you either cut Garoppolo, absorb dead cap, and get nothing in return from him. Because every team knew that they, that there seemingly wasn't much of a market for him before final cutdowns. Maybe there will be now. Um, so you either cut him, get nothing, absorb dead cap, or you do this, make his contract more tradable. And if you end up keeping him as an elite backup all year, then as you said, you get a comp pick for him at the end of the year if he goes away. So it from the 49ers perspective, this Completely is this can be completely consistent with them still viewing Trey Lance as their long term answer. Um, so, now from the fantasy football perspective, this doesn't matter at all if you have Trey Lance. And the reason is we don't care about the downside risk or the floor of quarterbacks that we're drafting in these single quarterback redraft leagues. If your quarterback completely busts, if Trey Lance gets benched in week two, you get to go pick up Derek Carr on the waiver wire and get 80% of the production that you would have from drafting a quarterback in the ninth round of your draft. So it's not as if it really matters that Lance has this downside now. And he always realistically did have this as a possibility. It feels more real now and that will likely affect his ADP. So you might be able to get him even later and especially in your home league. So I would not be scared off of him whatsoever. I would send trade offers, frankly, if you don't have him in your redraft league, see if you can pick him up from a panicking uh, owner.
0: Yeah. I mean, my worry at first was just that if he's really struggling for three or four weeks, like without Garoppolo around, like they have no choice. They're just going to keep running him out there. They do have a choice now, uh, but I agree that we should be shooting. The whole idea with Lance is upside anyway. We're taking on some risk with him. And I, I, I it, w- it would take a really bad performance from Lance for them to move on to Jimmy G. They've already seen what Jimmy G does for them, and they decided to move on. So um, I, I agree with you there. Uh, if you like Lance, keep drafting him, and you're probably getting a discount now. And it'll be interesting to see if Jimmy G does get to a team this year because there are a few teams he could certainly boost, and uh, we'll see if he fills in for you know an injured quarterback or whatever. So. Uh, but yeah, keep drafting Trey Lance. I'm on board as well. And then we just wanted to qu- give a, a quick mention to the, the Brian Robinson news who was shot uh, multiple times in a in a robbery. I think his his car was um, hijacked there. And I like it's there's not much fancy takeaway here. Um, we don't know what his status is, how long he could be out. It's just, uh, I just wanted to mention that in case you are drafting and you missed the news, um, Brian Robinson is going to be out for a little while. So I just monitor that Washington situation there, but um, he does seem to be doing okay now. So uh, good news so far. So hopefully that keeps improving. Um, But let's get into the bulk of the show here. Um, This is a late round targets, week zero waiver wire, whatever you want to call it show. These are players that you can get with your last pick or players that you can put on your watch list. Uh, Pick them up if you didn't like, uh, you know, the last round pick or somebody got hurt, um, somebody you could look at on your waiver wire. So our criteria for this was all players that were 30 percent or less rostered in Yahoo leagues. Uh, A little bit of an arbitrary cutoff, but it gets us a pretty good list of names here. And I I think it's going to be a little bit more uh, representative of a home league, which is what a lot of the drafts are going on right now. So we each came up with some players we're targeting. Uh, We're going to go through these and just kind of pick out our favorites. Um, Ryan, let's start with you and your top name you're you're targeting on this 30% or less group.
3: Yeah. Before I start talking about my guys, I just have to take the one victory lap of, I am the only person on this podcast that wrote four names down and none of them got cut or (laughs) traded today. So I, I, that's my only victory lap. I'll take, I promise I'm done mentioning it. All right. So getting into my first player, it's Rashad white. He, he, is rostered in only 30% of Yahoo leagues. He's going in the double digit rounds of your draft. So you can absolutely get him. Uh, So as I mentioned, players that are rumored for trades, Keyshawn Vaughn is currently one of them. Uh, This may or may not matter much to Rashad White uh, because he's been playing ahead of Vaughn in the last two preseason games. Seemed like White was easily beating him out regardless. But the fact that Vaughn's name is coming up in trade rumors, that should tell you there's a pretty good chance that he gets cut. And if that happens, then the backfield is just even more wide open and uh, White is even less likely to have to deal with a committee situation in the event of a Leonard Fournette injury. He could just be the bell cow immediately. Uh, Who else is in this backfield? Giovanni Bernard has also been mentioned as a cut candidate. Uh, the team would only save about $150,000 if they cut him against the cap. Uh, and Bernard is currently injured. Mysterious ankle injury we don't know too much about. Uh, hasn't seen much action in the preseason. Um, and really, he wasn't much of a factor last year, uh, even when healthy. So it, it doesn't seem like the Bucks have a huge reason to keep him. I would almost 100% sure say that either Vaughn or Bernard are getting cut. And either way, it's probably good for Rashad White. Uh, Just kind of looking at his profile in college, he at Arizona State had 7.4 yards per touch. Uh, That is tied with James Cook for first among all relevant running back prospects that were drafted this year. Uh, his 2.8 yards per team attempt was also first. And Rashad White had 19% of his team's receiving yards. That That's an insane number for a running back in college. For reference, James Cook and Brees Hall were both at like 9%. And that was pretty much his closest competition. So it, from any angle, Rashad White was one of the most impressively productive running backs that came out this year. Um, so there's really not much else to it. He... Is fast, he's big, 84th percentile speed score, he's on one of the league's best offenses, Leonard Fournette is 27 years old, uh, and if Fournette gets injured, it's wheels up for Rashad White, and he's probably a top 12 running back in any game that he gets the majority of the work. So, uh, he should be on all your rosters, essentially, is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of wild transitioning over from the best ball season into the home draft season and, and seeing uh, Rashad White under 30% owned. I mean, he's going way off the board. What, like pick 190 or something in uh, fantasy pros ADP? I don't know. It's way down there wherever he was at. Um, so, Dustin, is Rashad White someone you're targeting late in drafts? I mean, I think this is one where we don't have to even wait for the last round. You could pick him a little earlier than that. But is Rashad White on your radar here from uh, Tampa Bay?
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, he's definitely a guy that should be talked about in that group with all the other elite handcuffs in the league. I mean, he's not the Tony Pollard, uh, A.J. Dillon type, but he's definitely should be there with the um, Jamal Williams, who's 45% rostered. Alexander Madison, 63% roster. If something happens to Leonard Fournette, if he goes down with an injury... I mean, Robinson could be a league winner. I mean, he could just dominate that backfield and see a ton of carries. I mean, there is the question about the O line there, but I don't think that matters for running backs. Uh, And Tom Brady is still Tom Brady, but he's up there in age and he looks like a skeleton now in his latest press conference. So (laughs) at some point you think that age cliff is going to hit Tom Brady. And if it does, it's going to become a running team. And if Fournette can't handle, I think Robinson shoots up there. I mean, I'm looking at nine Himes is 30, uh, 68% rostered. I think Rashad White should be in that range in the 60, 70%, just because of the upside he has. I think he'll go into the season uh, in and Probably a 60-40 split where Fournette's getting 60% of the carries, and he'll see 40, which is still really good. And I think it just could increase. And at some point, that team has to figure out what they have for youth. They keep signing Brady to one-year deals and trying to bring back Gronk and all these other old guys. they got to get young and see what they have so they can build for the future. And I think we can see that, especially later in the season of Rashad White just taking over more and more.
0: Yeah. It's wild to me that Jamal Williams is getting drafted ahead of Rashad White. It's got to just be a name thing. People know the name and they're taking Jamal Williams. But I mean, I think if DeAndre Swift got hurt, uh, we're not even certain that Jamal Williams would, I mean, there's a lot of names in that Detroit backfield. So I wouldn't even be so sure that he's going to dominate the work. I, I think Rashad White would most likely dominate the work as long as Tom Brady doesn't hate him because, uh, They have looked for every reason to get rid of Keyshawn Bond possible. And as someone who drafted a lot of Giovanni Bernard last year, uh, he was very disappointing. So, um, all right, Ryan, let's move on to your next player you're targeting at the end of drafts here. Yeah,
3: so next is a player that I don't think I've touted at all yet on this podcast this year. And he's not even a player I have that much of, but he just sticks out to me as someone that should obviously be rostered more than he is. So it's Jalen Talbert. Uh, he's on 23% of Yahoo rosters. He's. It seems like he's going to be the second wide receiver for the Cowboys at the start of this year, and I don't know why people aren't more excited about that. Michael Gallup and James Washington likely aren't going to play in the beginning of the year, and I. the best part about Jalen Talbert is if you put him on your roster now, and Worst case scenario, week one he sees two targets and plays like ten snaps. Then you know you can cut him. If Noah Brown is somehow playing ahead of him in two wide receiver sets, that then fine, cut cut bait on Tulbert. But you're gonna see his role immediately, and that role is what we we would want to stash him for. Uh, and I mean, if he gets that role and it turns out he's good, then uh, amazing. And it seems like he could be good. He was a day two pick, really small school, South Alabama. But as you would expect of a highly drafted small school prospect posted some of the most ridiculous production numbers that you've seen, whether you're looking at dominator target share, it like just blows out the rest of this receiver class. 47.9% of his team's receiving yards his final year is like i can't remember a number that high for a a few years at least he's a bit older i think he's 23 years old um so i that's i'm not like crazy about him in dynasty for that reason uh but you're as i said you're that might mean he's just nfl ready and he's gonna step right into the cowboys wide receiver two place it it, there's it's just insane to me that he's only on 23 of rosters like this feels like a very obvious guy that you should stash.
0: Yeah. And we, this is kind of a trend in this one. I think rookie receivers, we've kind of forgotten about here, but um, Dustin, is Jalen Tolbert on your radar at all? What are your thoughts on this uh, Dallas pass catching group?
4: Yeah. I mean, you're looking at a Dallas offense that doesn't have Gallup to start traded away Amari Cooper and lost Cedric Wilson. So even if you're looking at Gallup's numbers from last year as the number three receiver, 62 targets, Uh, Cedric Wilson had 61 and Amari Cooper had 104 so even if Gallup was back and let's say Gallup goes into that number two role that Cooper had he sees 100 plus targets if you're saying Jalen Tolbert's going to get 60 70 80 targets like that's really good for a rookie and that's a flex worthy position and I think he's going to start as number two because Gallup's going to be out so I'm penciling him in for 75 80 targets this year and I think he's definitely going to produce um, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's 6'1", 195, so I worry about um, what that looks like in red zone. I think a lot of the red zone stuff is going to go to CeeDee Lamb and you know Dalton Schultz, so he might not have as many scoring opportunities, but I think if he's going to get volume, I think he'll be someone that you could easily um, put in your flex, especially as we get into bye weeks later on. I think he's worth stashing, and I, th- I think Ryan's right. You'll know what you have in week two or three, and you can cut him if he's not doing well.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's just—it's always so hard for me to bet on someone like Noah Brown, a former seventh-round pick. Um, he's played in the league for four years and has zero touchdowns. So, give me the shot on Tolbert. Um, I, I think this is just kind of—it's early in camp, so they're giving the veteran nod to the veteran, and this is how coaches treat rookies sometimes. So, yeah, I like drafting Tolbert late. I need to draft more of them. So, um, who you got up next here? You got, looks like you got another rookie wide receiver here, Ryan.
3: Yeah. The rookie wide receivers that aren't enough teams were just the easy fodder for this podcast. Yeah, It's Wandale Robinson, who is only 8% rostered right now. He's been playing with the first team on the Giants all preseason, regardless of when Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony have been healthy or not. Wandale has been playing in the slot and he is also reportedly seeing some snaps out of the backfield. So, I absolutely hate when we make Debo Samuel comparisons about anyone that's not Debo Samuel, but I am going to make it with Wondell Robinson. He played out of the backfield more as a hybrid player during his first two years of college. So I think it's not at all out of the question that he would continue to do that in the NFL. And it's also worth noting, I think I say this every episode, the only running backs behind Saquon Barkley on the Giants depth chart right now are Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell. So I, there's not a lot of depth there. Maybe Sony Michelle comes in, but either way, I think it's totally possible we're looking at Wandale having contingent upside and a real role of catching passes out of the backfield if Saquon Barkley were to go down. Like, I, I don't think it's crazy at all to think he takes like 40% of the backfield snaps in that scenario. Um, but even as a receiver, there's reason to get excited about Wandale. Uh, he wasn't quite as crazily dominant as Jalen Talbert, but Wandale played in the SEC. So we they don't need to be as insane for us to be impressed. And it's not like he was really that far off. I whether you're adjusting for age or for conference, like Wandale was basically the most productive receiver in this class next to Talbert and Traylon Burks. So he Yes, he's small. I don't care. He You stash him on your roster. It's not like he's going early. We don't care about downside. Uh, I don't care if he's just Rondale Moore for some reason. There's just no reason to not take the shot.
0: Yeah. And like you mentioned before, I mean, with Jalen Tolbert, we're going to know right away with Wandale Robinson. Like if he's on the field week one and he's not any good, we're going to know it right away and you can pick up the hot, you know, uh, backup running back after an injury happens week one. So that's, that's pretty key early on in the season. It's just these late round dark throws, finding out what you got right away. So you don't have to stash them for four weeks. So uh Dustin has Wandale Robinson been on your radar at all this draft season?
4: Uh, late, late. I'm not thrilled with uh, his offense. Unlike Jalen Tolbert, <laughs> who has Dak Prescott, Wandale Robinson has Daniel Jones, who is Daniel Jones. I mean, he's not a great quarterback. They have a low volume passing offense. Um, but he he could get targets, and we talk about you know trades and uh, the cut deadline is tomorrow at I think four o'clock Eastern time, so Sterling Shepard you know could get cut or traded. There's a couple guys there, and that could definitely open up some some opportunities for him. So I think he's worth worth the shot. I just worry that he the volume in that offense isn't going to be there. But I'm a big Kenny Galladay believer. But I think Juanio Robinson's a great dart throw. um, based on that uh, that backfield options that he could have in those gadget plays which i think will be exciting to watch and you know they could be in the 10 you know in the 10 zone he could easily get those jet sweeps or those uh wildcat formations and run it in and i think that would be a huge fantasy bonus for him and for owners of him i just he'd be a real late dart throw for me
0: okay i i i, I don't know i might like him more than jalen tolbert although bringing up Dak prescott versus uh versus Daniel Jones, that might've swayed me real simple <laughs> logic there, but you might've swayed me on that one, but I do like both of those receivers. So I think those are good options. Uh, Ryan, who's the final name on your list here?
3: Yeah. So f- I had to have at least one player that wasn't a rookie just so I wasn't just touting every single rookie. Uh, Eno Benjamin is rostered in only 4% of Yahoo leagues. He has started every preseason game for the Cardinals. Uh, Daryl Williams was not playing much in the preseason. He mixed in a little bit, as I understand, in the most recent one. But Eno was still playing ahead of him. Uh, Daryl Williams is rostered in twice as many leagues, but I, from what I can tell, from a bird's eye view, it seems like there's about an equal shot of either of these players being the number two to James Conner. And the number two to James Conner is a valuable role, even if James Conner doesn't get injured. Conner only averaged a 42% snap share last year in games that both him and Chase Edmonds were healthy. Now, I don't think, you know, Benjamin's as good as Chase Edmonds. He did get a few opportunities last year when Edmonds was injured, uh, but there is real opportunity in this backfield. It's one of, been one of the most valuable backfields for fantasy football the last two years. Maybe that sounds crazy to you, but it's the reason is because it's been split. But if Connor were to get injured, uh, one of the most injury prone players in the league that was shockingly healthy for most of last year until the very end, then, you know, all of a sudden has a lot of upside. And it's kind of funny. I realized when I was doing research for this that, you know, Benjamin is actually the second Arizona State running back that that I'm touting tonight. Uh, He was, unlike Rashad White, seventh round pick, not a lot of draft capital invested in him. Similarly, had some pretty good production, especially in the receiving game, 35 and 42 receptions his final two years of college. But I I think the thing with Eno is as a seventh rounder, for him to stick around on a roster for through three years, that would suggest that the team has something they want to do with him. Uh, Daryl Williams has been mentioned as a cut candidate before. I don't know if that's really true or if that is going to play out, but either way, I think Eno is the one of the better bets for a good handcuff or a running back with good contingent value that you can just stash late for free. And he's one of the least rostered. So I wouldn't take I wouldn't take him as a handcuff over someone like Rashad White or Alexander Madison. But I think you're in the conversation with like Jeff Wilson, I would say, or any Titans or Panthers running back. I would probably rather have, you know, Benjamin then. uh, Sorry, other than the two starters, obviously, on those teams. But yeah, yeah, I, I just think he sticks out as an easily obtainable player with a lot of upside
0: yeah and i'll I do have a little bit of insight on this one just because I've had to watch two of these cardinals preseason games this uh this preseason for the what we saw team. I saw the most recent one as well um Eno drew the start last week and the Cardinals were kind of running him up the middle uh early just to kind of you know probably just to give him more reps on doing that because I don't think that's necessarily his role getting those up the middle runs out of shotgun but um you know he got two carries on eight yards on those attempts and uh but you really saw his value. Um, I, I think it was third and two on that drive uh he ran a wheel route out of the backfield uh, it was like a pick play he was wide open the quarterback actually threw a pretty poor throw mcSorley and uh know, benjamin made a really nice catch on it and they did they schemed him wide open on the play so I, I my only pushback is him as a handcuff is i do think if uh, james Conner goes down we might be looking at daryl williams as the james Conner from last year and eno benjamin as the chase edmonds which is still totally cool i mean we'd love to have chase edmonds so uh, that I think maybe if if Connor goes down, I mean they used Daryl Williams um, on a third and two later in the drive, and he, he looked pretty good, and they gave Daryl Williams a goal line rush for a touchdown in close. So I think that's the only thing from my perspective that's going to hold Benjamin back is if they see Daryl Williams as more of that you know kind of goal line back. So um, Dustin, do you see anything differently with this backfield here?
4: No, I agree. I think if Darrell Williams get cut gets cut uh, today or tomorrow, yeah. I think that definitely increases Eno Benjamin. I know Jonathan Ward has played well. He's also on the roster, but I think he injured his shoulder. And there's that rookie uh, Keontae Ingram who has played a lot in the preseason, so he could see some work. So I do think if Connor goes down, we'll see a, a heavy rotation of running backs. But I think Eno will get the bulk of it if Connor were to go down.
0: Yeah, but no, I, I do agree with you, Ryan, if you want to counter any of that. But I just I, I think that Eno is probably more of a Chase Edmonds type player. So I, that's the comparison I'm making. But um, again, we'll see what happens to Daryl over uh, cuts here coming up soon.
3: Yeah, I would largely agree with that. I, I don't think Eno Benjamin has three down bell cow upside or anything like that. I just think he has a shot at a committee yeah. role, regardless of a James Conner injury. And it benefits at least some if one were to occur.
0: And he's available in almost every league. So (laughs) that's always a bonus. So, all right. Those are some good names there, Ryan. Um, Let's get on to mine. I only picked a few here since I'm hosting. So uh, mine will go a little bit quicker here. Uh, First up for me, though, players rostered under 30% on Yahoo is Joshua Palmer. He's only 15% rostered. And you know it's kind of a a trend here, but as long as he comes back from a concussion he suffered in the preseason, I I think we're going to know relatively quick on Palmer if he's worth rostering early on in the season. Uh, Obviously, high upside potential and a Justin Herbert offense. We've seen Mike Williams get dinged up in the past and play through it, but you know he's approaching age 28. Keenan Allen's 30. Uh, We've seen his efficiency drop, so I, I feel like there's a few different paths here for Palmer, but. The big thing was that he really did seem to take over the wide receiver three role in the preseason, which he didn't necessarily do until the very end of the season last year. But um, even down the stretch last year, it kind of went under the radar, but um, his playing time went up. Um, he was over 50% of the snaps in three of his final five games. And in those games with over 50% of the snaps, uh, Joshua Palmer had five for 66 and a touchdown five for 43 and a touchdown and four for 45 and a touchdown. So obviously small sample size, but um I think Justin Herbert wide receivers are going to score a lot of touchdowns. So uh, I just think he's worth betting on. He's available in almost all leagues. Um, he's not a rookie. If you're kind of like me and you're just drafting nothing but rookies and you're like, man, this is too many. He's kind of a curveball ball to throw in late. So um, Ryan, I don't know that we've talked a ton about Palmer. What are your thoughts on him going into the season?
3: Yeah. I mean, sophomore wide receiver. So you have my yeah. interest immediately. Uh, obviously he, wasn't as highly productive as a lot of the sophomore wide receivers we talked about but at his draft cost which is apparently free in a lot of home leagues yeah absolutely there there as you mentioned there's a lot of reason to be a little suspicious of Mike Williams who had a sudden target earning bump in year 5 of his career uh reason to be suspicious of Keenan Allen whose efficiency and targets have been dropping it, in situations like this, where we know the offense is going to be good, but I'm not confident in any of the highly priced weapons. I will love to take the shot on the much more affordable
0: Josh Palmer. How about you, Justin? Have you, uh, Dustin, have you been drafting uh, Josh Palmer here in uh, drafts this year?
4: I have. So you mentioned my Ashton Doolin, uh, take last year. Josh Palmer was also in one of those very similar articles as, a. Uh, dynasty uh trend to watch and i that was december of last year i would say and pick up josh palmer and get him get him on your dynasty rosters i think uh you want all the passing options you can on that chargers offense uh just like you would with the Bengals. you want chase and higgins and boyd um i think he's just just like that for the chargers
0: all right Um, So next up for me, uh, this is a little bit similar to Ryan's Jalen Tolbert take here. Um, This is one that I have not been drafting, but seeing how available he is, um, I think maybe in my home league, I'll be looking at him. That's Jahan Dodson for uh, the Washington Commanders. And it's really just, it's a little similar to Jalen Waddle last year. Like we're really bad at evaluating rookie wide receivers as a fantasy industry for the most part, other than like the slam dunk ones. And um, we saw Waddle with crazy high draft capital last year, just smash. With you know, not an elite quarterback with two under center, Um, Dotson is set to play Week One as a starter, which is not very common for rookie wide receivers. Um, They're saying he's going to play even in two wide sets uh, across from Terry McLaurin. So, Jahan Dotson is going to be on the field. Um, He was the 16th overall pick in the draft. That's really high draft capital. Carson Wentz isn't the worst quarterback in the league for as much as we put him down. Like he can get the ball downfield at least. So, I think there's some upside here for Washington wide receivers and. I don't think we should completely ignore his draft capital, which we really have been. So people obviously are hyping up all these other rookie wide receivers. I get it. And we're kind of forgetting about Jahan Dodson. So I think if you're in a home league and you're you're you know, all your friends are just jumping all over these rookies and you're missing out on the fun and you don't want to reach for them I think Dotson's a nice rookie wide receiver late and you're going to know what you have in him right away so I I think by week three if he hasn't produced much we can probably move on maybe uh, you know Curtis Samuel's looking good and he stepped into a role so uh, I really think John Dotson should be drafted just to get a quick glimpse and see if he's a a better prospect than we thought he was so I don't know um, Dustin if you got any thoughts on Jahan Dotson here um, is this someone you've been targeting?
4: No. So I put on my list, Curtis Samuel for a lot of the same reasons. I think um, that number two spot in the commander's offense is up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at what Carson Wentz did last year in Indy, uh, Zach Pascal was the number two receiver. He saw 69 targets from Carson Wentz on the commanders last year, the Washington football club or whatever we were calling them. Adam Humphreys had 62 targets. So I think whoever is that number two receiver is going to see in that 60 target range, uh, 60 plus, um, I do like the fact, I like Curtis Aiman more. He's 4% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Um, working with Ron Rivera, who we had a great year with, you know, two years ago in Carolina, um, does get used a little bit in those jet sweeps and kind of those gadget running plays. So I like him a little more, but I think I think either one of those are worth a shot to see who's going to be the number two. I do think Dotson will probably get the starting gig, but I think Curtis Aiman will overtake him. But I think there's definitely room for someone in that offense to step up.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously the the deal with Samuel is just how long can he stay on the field? Um, How does he look? Does he take time to get back into the swing of things? Uh, He could certainly overtake Dotson, but I I think both of them are worth a shot early on just to see how this offense is going to look because they do have a pretty good play caller there in Washington for all the the problems they've had. um, I I do think Turner is a pretty good play caller. So I'm mildly intrigued here. Ryan, do you have any thoughts on Washington's receiving core?
3: I would just kind of echo what you said at the top, Eric, that if you're looking at a list of players to draft late and only one of them got first round draft capital as a wide receiver, yeah. it's not bad process to take that guy almost no matter what we think of him as a prospect. Like we, we were super uh, gung ho as an industry in fading Kadarius Tony last year after he went in the first round. Yep. When he was on the field, he was very efficient. So that easily could have blown up in our faces much more than it did. And he's someone that we're interested in targeting now. So I, I think we're, we totally could live in a world where Jahan Dotson is one of the better rookie receivers this year.
0: Yep. Yep. And he's uh, kind of late to my process here. So I've kind of been taking a deeper look at him. So, all right, the final name on my list, we've talked about him a million times here, uh, Ryan and I, but it's Tyrion Davis price, 6% rostered in Yahoo leagues, which is relatively shocking for me. Uh, You know, I know why people are down on him. We can't predict this San Francisco backfield. But I mean, Elijah Mitchell only played 11 games last year. Uh, He missed games due to a shoulder injury, a finger fracture, a combination of a concussion and a knee sprain. He played through a rib injury. And now this year, he's returning off of practice, um, has missed the past three weeks with a hamstring injury. So we're already going into week one here with Mitchell dinged up. And other than Mitchell, it's Trey Sermon. He's had some positive buzz, but he played in only nine games last year. Rushed for 167 yards, three receptions. Like that's a pretty bad indicator for a rookie running back, um, especially one that had some opportunity there. And then it's Jeff Wilson and Jamichael Hasty who are role players. Uh, they, they've been on the field, but they're entering the final year of their contracts. So for Tyrion Davis Price, he's just he's a third round pick. He's got a 90th percentile speed score. I just think he's the perfect late round flyer. Yeah, you're not gonna to wanna to start him right away, but it's a last round pick. Um, maybe it takes a while, maybe you caught him before he breaks out. But i I just think it's a dart throw to see what happens if Trey Sermon's inactive week one again, or what happens if Elijah Mitchell can't play. Like this whole backfield could be in flux here. And and if this offense looks as dynamic as it could be with Lance, I, I think we want all the the cheap pieces as we can on Tyrion Davis Price. So I think Ryan and I have probably discussed him enough. Um, do you, Dustin, have any thoughts on the San Francisco backfield here? Uh-
4: I think I mean I think he's great for dynasty as a flyer, but in redrafts, I'm not taking him. I think I'd rather have someone like Jeff Wilson. Definitely Trey Sermon, who's projected to be the number two. Um, and if Mitchell Mitches misses the first week, Trey Sermon will be for the bulk carries. Um, I think we've seen that Kyle Shanahan doesn't care about draft capital at all. Yeah. <laughs> right? He's a third round draft pick, so is Trey Sermon, who basically got benched. Brandon I was a high draft capital who's a superstar right now, and he got in the doghouse and was in the doghouse, and it didn't matter um and i'm not sold on trey lance being that great um so i'm just worried about that offense as a whole and i do think Debo's still going to get uh carries out of the backfield i think he structured his contract in a way that makes those a little more appealing to him and to shanahan to use them that way so
0: uh
4: i'm out on Tyrion davis price but i don't see it being a bad throw but i agree that you will see what you have in the first three four weeks and you can make a decision from there and cut them if you need to
0: yeah and The whole Trey sermon thing, I just, I'll believe it when I see it. So maybe that's one reason I'm a little higher on uh, Tyrion Davis price. And then as far as Jeff Wilson goes, like, I just, I don't think he's the type of back that's going to hold off too many talented players. So we're hoping that Tyrion Davis price is talented and can overtake Wilson. We've just seen a lot of people overtake him. I just, I think he's more of a complimentary player. So um, Ryan, you're, you're not bailing on me here, right? You're still in on Davis price.
3: Uh, I don't know, Eric, Uh I'm getting, Uh I'm getting a little nervous. I will admit. That it he's playing into the fourth quarter of preseason games. Like it is totally possible that Davis Price is way more buried on this depth chart than we would have thought a month ago. Uh I yeah, I really don't know. I personally, I don't think he's a player that needs to be rostered right now because this is how I see this playing out. Let's say Elijah Mitchell gets injured week one. I would bet so much money that Jeff Wilson will be, or Trey Sermon, one of those two will be seen as the number two, the next man up, the guy you have to get. Uh, And when that happens, then you get to bid $1 on your waiver wire on Tyrion Davis price. I think that is the way to approach him in redraft leagues right now. I've still got my best ball shares. I'm hoping that those will work out. I'm sure he will have games this year but I don't think you need to spend a roster spot on him currently.
0: Man. First Sony, Michelle, now this, Ryan, <laughs> come on now. I mean, this is uh, under a 6% rostered uh, ADP two twenty six. So this is uh, certainly someone I'm not uh, going out and drafting a lot, but it's a last round pick at this stage in a home league. And uh, I still think he's got some upside. I'd rather take him over some dusty veterans. So uh, that's where I'm at on Davis price. Um, I don't know. He's a rookie. So I, I think it makes more sense when the rookies are playing into the fourth quarter of the preseason than when a, a 30-year-old running back is. So um, I, I'm still sticking by him. Maybe if everyone else is fading, I'll just get him in every single week. So, all right, let's get to Dustin. Dustin, you got, uh looks like three names on your list, no four names. So let's kick it off. Uh, who's the first late round pick or early waiver wire target we're going for?
4: Well, since you just brought up dusty veterans, I will bring up Mark Ingram, oh, yeah. who is 18% rostered, I don't understand why he's so low. I get it that there was all this hype for Abram Smith when he was drafted, and it looked like Kamara might have got suspended, and everybody's like, Abram Smith. Now, Abram Smith's been cut. Kamara's not getting suspended, but Kamara hasn't played a ton, and I think Mark Ingram should be up there with those elite backups. He's proven it on the field. Um, He's just done great in preseason. I think there's a chance that he could be – a standalone flex value for that team that is a ambiguous offense at this point we some people think they're good some people think they're bad um i think everyone wants these flashy rookies and these uh high upside receiving backs and they just forget about guys like mark ingram who if he starts and if he plays and when he plays i think he will play he'll spell mark ingram he's gonna see a lot of work and he's going to see goal line work and he will be a flex worthy option. I think most weeks in fantasy at 18% roster, I'll take him all day over guys like Raheem Mostert, who's a 39% Kenneth Gainwell, who has that 51% James cook for Buffalo's at 80%. Those guys are, you're hoping it breaks the right way. And I think I'm looking at Ingram going, it's already set for him to have a role in that offense I mean, he's a big dude. He's gonna get the goal line work. I don't see why he's not being drafted more. I think it's just everybody wants the new hotness, uh, rookie picks, rookie and sophomore players, and they're forgetting about Mark Ringerman, how effective he was last year and has been this year so far in the preseason.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think the big thing he's hit- hitting age thirty-three season. We're all waiting for the cliff to hit. Maybe it already has, but I mean he did come in and get twenty-six targets in seven games for the Saints last year. So they were getting him the ball in the air. Uh, I think Ryan and I probably just tend towards the upside plays and it's just kind of a matter of roster construction, but Ryan, do we need to reconsider Mark Ingram here on this podcast?
3: I'm not. And (laughs) yeah, as you said, the, the reason is upside, like it, I'm sorry, but our running back that averaged 3.5 yards per carry last year has washed off of the Ravens and the Houston depth charts. Like I, I just can't. And he's come, come back to the saints on, ultra team friendly deals like like look here here's my point i guess last year week 18 mark ingram was in the smash spot of all smash spots against the jaguars he got 26 carries that week right what did he turn it into 85 yards and a touchdown no receptions that's like 14 fantasy points is his absolute best case scenario like that that's pretty close to waiver wire production and he did it once in the dream matchup of all dream matchups with a ridiculous amount of volume that he's incredibly unlikely to see this year at all so I just I just can't get fired up about Mark Ingram I would the opportunity cost of not stashing a rookie or another higher upside player we've talked about is just too high for me
0: yeah and I do understand Dustin targeting him because there's nobody on the roster behind Alvin Kamara and the Saints do seem to be in love with Mark Ingram. So, I I mean, like Dustin, I totally get it. If you want to defend any of those points, go for it. Because like somebody has got to get work behind Alvin Kamara and it sure looks like it's Mark Ingram right now, but any, any pushback on anything we just said there that I think we'll be a little nicer on the rest of your picks here.
4: Yeah. I'll say weeks (laughs) eight, nine, 10 and 11 last year. Um, Kamara, Kamara played, didn't play 10, 11 or 12. And he had week 11 against Philly, uh, he played 72% of the snaps, 16 rushes, 88 yards, eight targets, six receptions, 25 yards, not huge numbers, but put up 15-ish points. Uh, Week 10 against Tennessee, 85% of the snaps, 14 carries, 47 yards, a touchdown, seven targets, four receptions for 61 yards. Like, he gets volume when the is not there. And I think for someone who, yeah, he's not the flashy upside, and there isn't a ton of upside, but if you got an empty spot, like let's say you drafted – You know, months ago when you drafted Kenyon Drake as that potential upside, like I'd swap out Kenyon Drake, who doesn't even have a team right now for Mark Ingram, who's the clear two behind Kamara, who hasn't played a full season in forever. So I'll I'll take the I'll I'll take that just that solid floor, no upside of Ingram over someone like a Tyrion Davis price who's all upside
0: all right and definitely a deep league you know these are these are at the end of drafts here so deep league i got to watch so all right who you got up next here dustin
4: i don't understand what fantasy managers are doing that davis mills is only rostered in seven percent of yahoo leagues let's just look at this daniel jones of the new york giants who is absolute trash is rostered in 27 percent. Jameis winston who, yes, will throw a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns, and will throw a ton of picks, is rostered in 44%. Now, Davis Mills played in 13 games, but really only played in 11 full games. As a rookie, completed 66.8% of his passes, which put him like 15th in the NFL on that list. Like, that's really good numbers for a rookie. That's really good numbers for a starter. In his last five games, nine touchdowns, only two interceptions. Now, yes, he had 31 sacks, but they added A.J. Can. Scott Queisenberry to protect him on the O-line. He's got Brandon Cooks, who's always criminally undervalued. Nico Collins, who was close to being on my list. Brevin Jordan, who people like as a sleeper tight end. He's just going to make plays. He's going to be solid. Yes, he doesn't have the rushing upside of Justin Fields and Trey Lance. He doesn't have the pedigree of a Trevor Lawrence, but he could easily be the second best quarterback from that draft class behind Mac Jones.
0: Yeah, and So I think this is more about where they are ranked than anything. I'm probably not drafting Mills in most typical one-quarterback leagues. I'm definitely not. But if if you just look at him compared to this rookie class from last year, I did a lot of looking into the stats from them because it was really bad across the board. But Davis Mills had a 4% touchdown rate. That was second to only Mac Jones of that rookie class last year. Um, There were a lot of numbers like that where, like, yards per attempt – most of the rookies were horrible. And then it was Mac Jones and Davis Mills with decent numbers. Um, He had a 15th in the league in completion percentage Davis Mills was. So I I do agree with you. I think it's worth pointing out for all the hype that people get on Trevor Lawrence um, and Zach Wilson, primarily uh, Davis Mills was just better than them. Now, Justin Fields gets the rushing upside that, that kind of changes that. But I think specifically when you compare Davis Mills to Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, just looking at last year's numbers, he blows him out of the water. So I'm not going to push back too much on that one. Um, it's just a matter of I'm probably not going to take him in most leagues, but I do think he should be ranked higher. Um, Ryan, do you have any Davis Mills takes here? Are we just undervaluing maybe this Texans offense as a whole?
3: Yeah, not like a strong take. I, I know that at some point this year, I'll be talking myself and everybody else into streaming him as a quarterback streamer yeah. Uh, the, because, yeah, there there are a lot of pieces here for him to succeed. He's somebody that I would be targeting in every single superflex league ever especially yeah. dynasty superflex. He's pretty attainable and he yeah, like as Eric just said, had one of the better rookie seasons of the whole class last year. So, I don't think he's going away. I think Davis Mills might be a thing. Yeah,
4: for me it's it's in most of my picks it's that solid floor play. So, if you drafted a guy, if you drafted Trey Lance, in a one quarterback league, like you have to at some point hedge your bets and go, if Trey Lance sucks, what am I going to do? Yeah, you can get Davis Mills off the waivers, but why not take your last round flyer on Davis Mills and have something? I love pairing Mac Jones and Davis Mills together in one quarterback leagues and just stream the two of them and rotate between who's got the better matchup, because I think you can get them late enough. And clearly their roster percentage in Yahoo Leagues is low enough that I think you do it. Mac Jones is only 38% rostered. so. Two guys that I think have solid floors. Yes, they don't have those huge upsides, but I, I think there's still value there for them in your league. And I think they'll be I think they're the next wave of the Kirk Cousins, Derek Carrs, where they're just going to be solid performers, even Stafford in early his career, where they're going to throw a ton of yards, have 20 to 30, you know, have that round 30 touchdowns and, you know. Yeah, maybe ten interceptions. They're just going to be solid plays. That everybody's going to forget about because they don't have the upside. I mean, people. No one wanted Carr. No one wanted Cousins for years, and now you're like, oh, they're actually really solid players. I think we're seeing that from Davis Mills and Mac Jones as the next next wave of those type of guys.
0: Yeah, man, I I, I agree with you there. I, I'm generally not going to use uh, a second roster spot on a quarterback in a single quarterback league, but other than that, I'm I'm totally on board with everything that you said there about uh, Davis Mills. So. Let's get on to your next one. Who you got up next here, Dustin? Uh, Gerald Everett, two oh, years,
4: twelve million dollar contract is what the Chargers gave gave him. They went out and paid him to be their tight end. Now last year, Jared Cook saw eighty three targets, and he's gone. Now Donald Parham was there, had that horrific injury, his back, um, but I still think he's there. And Gerald Everett, or sorry, Jared Cook was fourth on that team with 13 red zone targets, those look to be going to Gerald Everett this year. Um, Everett's 6'3", compared to Cook, who is 6'5", and Parham, who's 6'8", so Parham's going to might see a few more red zone targets if he stays healthy all year. Um, But if you're going late tight end, and a lot of us will in these home leagues where you only need one, you're going to wait on him. I don't think you can do better than Gerald Everett. I think Herbert likes throwing to his tight end. Um, when you've got guys like David and Joku at 64% and Mike Kosicki at 70%, who I think are not going to have great years. Um, I don't understand why Joe Everett's not rostered more.
0: Yeah, I'm on board with this one as well. Um, Ryan, you have anything to add to the Jarrett Everett? I mean, I think we are, we're all drafted on here on this podcast.
3: Yeah. All the same reasons that I like Josh Palmer. It's a, it's the same thing. The, the cheaper option on the high octane offense, uh, that's going to score a lot of touchdowns that's the type of t- especially t- late tight end that will break out is the guys that have the elite quarterbacks that are going to be in the great offenses and have a touchdown spike. Uh, I think that a totally viable tight end approach this year is wait until the last two rounds and you draft the two Los Angeles tight end brothers, Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett. They're reunited in LA this year, just on different teams. Now it's, just best case scenario for both of them. So we we've been waiting every single year on pr- both of these guys. I think one of them's going to fire this year.
0: Love it. And Dustin, you got any um, any last thoughts before we move on from your segment here? Any honorable mentions? Anything like that?
4: Honorable mention for Kyron Williams, running back for the Rams. Uh, looks like Cam Akers may not be ready to go Week One, and Daryl Henderson may also not be ready to go Week One. Um, so he could see some early work he might be worth stashing uh, at this point just to see what happens week one, week two, and then get a couple weeks out of them, drop them if when acres comes back or maybe trade them early to someone who's panicking and, and go from there.
0: Yeah. He's been one I've been out on only because he was the hurt one. And now somehow all of a sudden Kyron <laughs> Williams is the healthy one and the others do the injured one. So yeah, I'm, I'm always on board for the cheap Rams running back. So um, I'll, I'll sign up for Kyron Williams at this point as well. Cause it's looking awfully positive. So. Okay, that wraps up a bunch of our late round targets, early waiver wire targets, whatever you want to call it. Um, But we kind of thought it'd be worthwhile giving you all some names that we would think about dropping for some of these players we talked about. So, uh, Ryan, you want to kick us off here with some names that you would look to drop?
3: Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on these guys, but they're. On the on this list for different reasons, Mikel Hardman is rostered in 31% of leagues. Can we please stop with Mikel Hardman, guys? Like we've been doing yes. this every single year. He has never been a productive NFL player or college player, really. He's never been productive at any level. I have no idea why there are still people that are on Mikel Hardman. Uh, Kenny Galladay rostered in 32% of leagues. There are like six gifts on the internet right now of him just giving up. During a play in the preseason, Uh, I understand that he is the only Giants wide receiver aside from Sterling Shepard that we've really seen string together a productive season. But I just don't see the upside with him anymore. It really seems like his body is breaking down and he's kind of washed at an early age. Uh, Jarvis Landry, 36% rostered. This is one where I just don't see the upside like in what scenario are you flexing Jarvis Landry? Like it it's likely a lowish volume Saints passing offense. He's probably behind Michael Thomas and I would guess Chris Olave especially later in the year in the target pecking order and definitely behind Alvin Kamara. And Landry's target share and efficiency has been dropping off a cliff, especially last year that I just see no upside whatsoever would much rather stash a running back. Uh, And then Ronald Jones is rostered on 24% of Yahoo leagues for some reason. Uh, We, he hasn't gotten cut yet, but it, the drumbeat has really been building for that to happen. It doesn't seem like the chiefs envision much of a role for him this year. Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon have been playing over him in the preseason. So I think we can probably give up on Rojo now too.
0: Yeah. I can't argue too much with any of those names. Um, I've got a couple. They're actually kind of higher rostered. I would throw in. Um, I mentioned Jamal Williams at 45% owned. I just, I just don't know that if Deandre Swift goes down, it's going to be all Jamal Williams. I think they've seen out, enough out of some of these backups. They have Craig Reynolds looked good at times last year. Um, they added in Justin Jeff or a, uh, Justin Jackson, sorry, Justin Jefferson would be nice too. But um, they've got some options there in Detroit behind DeAndre Swift. So I just don't think stashing Jamal Williams is really worth it when we don't know exactly what's going to happen here um, Devontae Parker at 45% like I understand rostering him I don't I'm not saying he's the worst draft pick in the world but I just don't see the upside with Parker here in New England as the contested catch guy I'd rather have Jacoby Myers and these running backs and even Hunter Henry in this offense so I'm personally not rostering Devontae Parker either I would much rather go for some of these higher upside rookies. Um, Dustin do you have a couple names to add here there's actually one I was going to mention and I didn't since you're the resident bills fan and I'm I'm glad that you said this name as well so I I'm the resident bills
4: truther for life um bills fan bills mafia always Uh, Isaiah McKenzie 42 percent at best he's the third receiving target on that offense I think he's more the fourth I think he falls behind Dawson Knox who Dawson Knox is also being drafted way too high um (laughs) I love both McKenzie and Austin Knox, but I think McKenzie at 42% is just someone that there's not a lot of upside. Like if Gabe Davis goes down, is McKenzie going to step in that role? Probably not. Like I think he's locked. And I think if Gabe Davis goes down, I think we see Jameson Crowder step in the role. If Stefan Diggs goes down, I think that offense just takes a massive hit. Um, so I can't see why people are wrapping. I think people want that upside. They're hoping he's the next T Higgins, Tyler Boyd um, type player, but I just don't see it. He's rostered more than Josh Palmer and I think I'd rather have Josh Palmer than him. Um, I also, Austin Hooper, when are we going to give up on Austin Hooper? Like (laughs) he's now in Tennessee that it's just not a great passing offense. Um, and he's never really done it. So what are we doing rostering him in 32% of leagues? Like if you're, if you're waiting on tight end, take someone like Gerald Everett or someone with some upside, don't go after this just low floor, low ceiling guy like Austin Hooper, It's just not worth it. And then I will say, Michael Gallup, if you are struggling and you either don't have an IR spot or have someone in your IR spot, you can drop Michael Gallup. He's going to miss the first four weeks. He's on the pup and just scoop him up in week three. Like, scoop him up a week early and then stash him. Like, you don't have to hold him for the first two weeks of the season. There's just no upside until I would pick him up week three if I don't have the space for him in IR.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I hate stashing injured players for much length of time unless there is an IR spot. And then Isaiah McKenzie, I agree with you. I, I think he's one of those classic, like better in real life players than better than he is in fantasy. Like he's super talented, but they've got a ton of different options. I got uh, the, the rookie Shakir. Like there's, there's definitely options here in Buffalo. So I just have a hard time seeing him get a huge target share. So um, anything here, Ryan, you want to wrap up on before we get out of here? Uh,
3: I can't let Austin Hooper slander. I thought go, you might go have. on notice. Yeah. <laughs> he, Austin Hooper will almost certainly be my number one tight end streamer for week one. Uh, but yeah, like I understand if you are planning to stream tight end and Hooper's sitting on your roster right now, and you want to hold a running back who could grow in value between now and week one. I think that makes sense. Like it's, I don't think anybody's going to go and snatch up Austin Hooper from you if you've already drafted and you took him. So I, I think that that could be a viable plan.
0: All right. Well, I think that was a good look at uh, some kind of borderline players to keep your eye on as we go into the season. Um, Thank you, Dustin, for joining us. We will have you on again sooner, I promise. Uh, Good talking with you again, Ryan, as well. Uh, We are through all the what we saw articles. Make sure to check out the last one from the preseason, but uh, get a little week off and we've got what we saw and sit start coming up for the regular season. So uh, this is just a great time to be alive. We've got NFL, real NFL games on the horizon. So I am excited I, not really even sure what our next podcast is going to be. We'll just wait for some some news to come out, and we'll we'll be back with you here pretty soon. So, um thanks everyone for listening. Check out the website for our what we saw article, and I' uh, we'll talk to you soon.